Charlotte Soccer Show. The season, Danny Brams, is over. Cheers. Cheers to you and cheers to what was a really, really fun, a really, really exciting and an intriguing 2023 campaign for Charlotte FC. It ends on Wednesday night in Newark, New Jersey <laughs> against... Technically Harrison, but you have to fly to Newark to get there, yes. Yeah. And All those towns blend together there. You know that. Charlotte FC unfortunately gives up five goals in the play-in match. And Red Bulls, they're moving on to face Supporters Shield champion Cincinnati. And Charlotte FC is going home. Well, you know, we were consistent. About 10 minutes into the game, we give up a goal. About 10 minutes after that, we give up another goal. About 10 minutes after that, we give up another goal. You know, you just you play against us for 10 minutes, you're going to get a goal in that, uh, in that situation. R- pretty much one of the worst first halves of the year uh, doomed us. Things got better in the second half. We came back and played Red Bull to a 2-2 draw in the final 45. Lots of action, lots of uh, excitement. Um, and I am my soccer soul got some satisfaction from some of the things that happened obviously we can talk about Kerwin's wonder goal one of the probably one of the greatest goals in MLS history which is absolutely insane to think about uh you know in, as, the, as the first goal in the 5-2 loss and then Patrick Rajamong's goal which is just a sheer force of will wonder goal in a different sense for just the way that he was able to do it Johnny you uh you were like obligate you had obligations right after kickoffs so you caught the game at home you had the sort of the the viewers I view, I was kind of caught up in the mix at, at Camp North End. So I want to hear what you saw because I was kind of more caught up in the spirit of the event more so than closely watching every single detail of the game, if that makes sense. Obviously, I was locked in, but I was really nervous. I had a bad day. My day started horrible all day on Wednesday and just had a bad day on Wednesday. And a lot of Charlotte FC guys had a bad day. How was your day? Well, my day was my day was fine on Wednesday. I mean, I saw I, – I called – you mentioned I was busy. I called the Queens – uh, men's soccer match on Wednesday at 5 o'clock. So when that was over, I was just right home to, to see Charlotte FC kick Go off. Go Royals. But, but before we get into that storytelling, uh, let's set the, set the scene here. We're at Trolley Barn. We're at a, we're at a new location right. here Good on point. the show. Trolley Barn. Uh, it's in South End. It's right here. You heard the... the I, I, the, the light rail. I was yeah. going to say gold line. You the know, blue line. The blue line. The, yeah. the blue line. You heard that. Uh, come by here. It's it's a beautiful Friday around. It's a lunchtime. <laughs> yeah. On a Friday, we're both having a lunch beer. We're both having an Italian pilsner. Yes, indeed. Sanctified uh, is the name of the brew from here at Trolley Barn Fermentary and Food Hall. And uh, you know, we we we're sanctified in the blood of Latanzio. I guess that's why it's an Italian pilsner. Uh, sorry if I no, not to be too <laughs> blasphemous there, but uh, you know, um, it's an amazing scene. And we're here in the heart of South End, and you hear. You know, it's a little loud. I hope everyone can hear everything right. There's maybe some construction noises going on in the background because things are. Charlotte is a city that's building. It, it, like, not only is our football club being built from the ground up, this city is being rebuilt from the ground up in many ways. And, and yes. the South End epitomizes that. And there's just so much energy and excitement here on a Friday afternoon. And it's just like, I know there's all this anger in the fan base. Uh, about the way we went out and the fact we didn't go further in the playoffs and the fact that we shouldn't have been in the wild card if we hadn't dropped so many points in September and in August and all of that. You know, I get it. You know, the draws eventually did really hurt us in the end. Um, 
But like, how can you be upset? Like, we did, we achieved a goal. We look great going into next year. We we found identity. We we established a connection with a captain who like who is like weaving the club and the city together uh, with every freaking public interaction that he has. It's incredible. There's there's lots to be upset about and there's things to improve. But man, just like how can you not feel a, a billion percent blessed to be a Charlotte FC fan? in this gorgeous Queen City on a Friday afternoon, having an Italian Pilsner with your buddy. Cheers. And uh, don't forget the Independence play tomorrow. Uh, playoff soccer's not dead in this town. So, I mean, what more is there, you know? Yeah, that's such a great point. The Independence on the road at Union Omaha on Saturday. The kickoff is at 5.30 Eastern. Uh, there's a watch party at 11 Lakes Brewery. Uh, up, up north. Up north and around Huntersville, yep. I think that uh, Yep. Go to Lake Norman for the day and then swing over to the Indie Watch Party. Very famous uh, seltzer they have, the yellow card seltzer. <laughs> uh, up ten, as I often say, 10 lakes were not enough. They needed 11, <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah, Danny, you said that uh, beautifully. And you know, to, to get back to your original question about, you know, sitting down to watch the match and you know, seeing it all play out and giving up five goals. And, you know, I, I honestly feel like <clears throat> knowing now that that Red Bull is moving on, that all the the eight teams that are in the MLS Cup playoffs are about to play a three-game series. It makes me feel like Charlotte FC didn't make the playoffs. It makes me feel like Charlotte FC made the play-in game and didn't get to actually compete in the MLS Cup playoffs. And like, the reason why I say that... Like the Tuesday NCAA tournament games yes. or whatever? Yeah, the 65 through 68s? Yes. Yeah. Like, but, but the difference there, and, and this is why it's even different than that, because if you win that play-in game, you go and you're playing a single elimination game that next time. So technically, it's all single elimination, mm. and yes, it's the same thing that everybody else is experiencing. See, what I'm trying to explain is that I, I feel like there's a lot of meat left on the bone for me. I feel yeah. like I didn't get the real experience because I didn't get a three-game series. Right, the three-game series, even though they're brand new, and th a home that, game. what you're telling me is that's the real playoffs in some well, it's, it's not that it's the real it. playoffs. You know, it's it's just <laughs> that's playoffs. what everybody yeah. else is doing. Yeah. And yeah. we didn't get the chance to do that, which yeah. makes me feel like we got left out. And admittedly, everyone's going to crack jokes and be like, oh, MLS, the only league where two-thirds of the teams make the playoffs. And, and you know you know what? That's still There's still a third of the teams that went home. You know, I'm sure yeah. Montreal and New York City and Chicago. I know Jordan Shakiri would have loved to be playing in a playoff game. What about game. Toronto? A competitor. Well, Toronto, they – I mean, <laughs> Toronto would like to – What about Miami? I mean uh, – <laughs> <laughs> we could go off on that. That's we'll do some side episodes about how horrible they are. But you know, over in the West, I'm sure Austin wishes they were in the playoffs. Austin made it to the Western Conference Final last year, and they're not even in the playoffs. So like, and, and, and let me, they could be a lot worse. And and at the press conferences, both the captain and the gaffer hit, highlighted that. They said, you know, I know people are unhappy with the four, the way in which we went out, but you have to look at the fact that we were in this game, and a lot of teams that wanted to be in this game weren't. Couple things there. First and foremost, I think the other reason why I kind of felt like I didn't get everything that I paid for, right? The product came at the house and I had to call the number because there were some parts right. missing. Yeah, exactly. Right? The reason why I felt that way is because the game felt over at halftime, right? It's not, I didn't even right. get 90 minutes. Right. Didn't even really get 30 minutes. Right. Because it just, it was, we're it, down 2 0 in 25 minutes. It, it was over as quick as it to, started. To a, to a crazy against the run of, well, not against the run, but just a crazy sort of like half counter goal and then a crazy free kick goal. That Kalina almost, it, everyone was like, oh, that's an unstoppable shot. And it was probably unstoppable. But man, Kalina almost had his big paw up there to, to save that John Tolkien free kick. 
Yeah, it was it was a really nice free Not that kick. It would have mattered. Yeah, obviously. really, really yeah. nice free kick from you know probably one of the most hated players in MLS. Right. If you're a Charlotte FC fan, if you're a Charlotte FC fan for sure, probably one of the most beloved players in the MLS offices because he's going to go make the league a ton of money when they sell him uh, uh, sometime next year. I mean, he's a he's a homegrown kid for the Red Bulls, and he's kind of like uh, he's a guy that you know we. Our homegrowns are all great, but none of our homegrowns are like are also our best playmaker on the team. So they, right. the Red Bull fans do have a special connection to Tolkien for well, sure. Well, you met, and the other thing that you mentioned, the second thing was the press conferences. And so, first and foremost, I wanted to say, if you haven't checked out our YouTube page, make sure you go there. Charlotte Soccer Show on YouTube. Danny Brams has been doing some really cool content, decoding the press conferences. <laughs> right when you think about a press conference, it's pretty boring, right? Unless you're in the press, you, you, it's Q and A. There's a lot of things that you need to decipher, and no one's there to tell you exactly what's being said. How did you come up with this idea, and what would you tell the folks that are listening to this show now about why they should go check out this content? Well, it starts because I'm kind of, uh, A, both a, a professional and a personal nerddom sort of uh, thing with listening to sound bites. So my whole career in television production, starting from the very beginning, even before I got into sports, when I was work, working in news, a huge part of my job was listening to interviews, picking out the bo- most important things they said, and you know, finding the right sound bites from the long bits of sound. I've, I've been doing this for 20 years, you know, like listening <laughs> yeah, to people yeah. talk, you know. So yeah. it's like I, I should have some uh, value from my, that experience, and and I like to hear people talk, and I like to hear people talk, uh, you know, give extended thoughts because a lot of times you have to have somebody like say an extended thought before you get all the bullshit out of the way, you know, like. They give coach speak, coach speak, coach speak, coach speak, and then they run out of things to say, and then they tell you what they really feel, you know? So, <laughs> yes, so yeah. like, you have to sort of listen to all that. And so I did the thing. I knew that, like, reaction videos are cool on YouTube, and I did the reaction video watching the uncut clip, and I was like, that was really fun. And then it's like, what's something else I could react to? And I was like, oh, well, I love press conferences. Let's react to the press conferences. So, so go there and check out that content. And before you do that, though, I want to hear what, you know, we're not going to hear what, what – Christian Latanzio, what Patrick Ajemong, and what Westwood said, you can go hear that on YouTube. But what was your takeaway from post-game, Charlotte FC loses 5-2, it feels like a a very deflating loss, and all of a sudden, after our playoff game, it's Patrick Mm Ajemong who takes the microphone. Yeah. What did he say? I mean, he had a giant grin on his face, he thanked, uh, you know... The cha- he was just grateful for the opportunity. He'd been preparing for this. He said he prepared to come in any game, anytime he knew, anytime he was on the bench, even in games where he didn't come in. He said he'd always been ready. If you if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, you know. And uh, he that's his mindset. And uh, you know he was smiling when he talked about the goals. When he, the be- the coolest thing I saw, you know, obviously it's funny we take this so hard as fans and the older players who are like running out of chances are going to take a playoff loss a little bit harder. Right. A young player like Patrick, he obviously was was upset to lose, but like you know he knows he's he's going to have more chances. He he took it in stride a little bit more than as a youngster who can just sort of wash it all off. And the coolest thing was the smile on his face. You know, you never it might some may call it a bad look to like be smiling so quick after a humiliating loss, but the thing that made him smile was when uh Carol asked him about uh Defenders bouncing off him on the goal. She's like, she's like, you just took on defenders and you were just throwing them around like ragdolls, and they were bouncing off you. And he's like, yeah, I was. I was just. He's like, he's like, I knew I had someone coming on my shoulder, and I could have gone down and tried to draw contact for the pen. But I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll just throw him down on the ground and go score this goal instead. You know, and it was amazing. You know, so you know who has? There's only one player 
that is part of this club that has 135 minutes of playoff experience. And it's Patrick Ajaron. <laughs> yeah, great point. 90 minutes for Crown Legacy. Yeah, build the 40, legacy, baby. 45 minutes for Charlotte FC. Only one player in this squad has played 135 minutes of right. playoff soccer, and it's Patrick Ajaron. So yeah. I, you were at Camp North End. You were at the, the watch party. Mm-hmm. And first and foremost, what was the vibe there? How quickly did the mood turn sour because of that mm-hmm. first half? And when did everyone realize that Patrick Ajamang was coming on and it, and it did it? And, and how did the fan base react to that? So here's what happened. I had a rough day on Wednesday, woke up late, got way behind all my routines, fight, fighting traffic there and back again. Car line was hell at school, all of it. I had a rough day at work. I was dragging ass just trying to get through my shift it came down to, to all of it i got out had to fight the traffic on the way back and i said i got home i was doing a quick five minute stop at home and then run to camp north End. i did my five minute stop dropped a few things off and then i'm like man do i really have it in me this has been a rough day i'm nervous i don't feel great about this game do i really want to go up there and like not have control of my environment and wonder like you know what if the screen goes out, or what if the audio doesn't work, or something or, or like what that? What if the, you know? the TVs yeah. aren't, uh, you know, simultaneously playing the same uh, game? <laughs> Funny you should mention that. So <laughs> I sucked it up. I, I, I eventually thought, hey, I have friends that are going to be there. Their count. I told anyone that would listen, I was going there. I can't just back out at the last minute. I, you know, like that'd <laughs> yeah. be bad form. Like suck it up, Buttercup, and get up there. So um, got up there instantly. Was glad I did. Got my energy back as soon as I find, got there great scene they had a long they had an outdoor setup and an indoor setup absolutely incredible the indoor in the huge room a little bit warmer beer lines were long i could have done with more beer stands there was only two or three beer stands definitely need like you can't be like watching the game and standing in a beer line 20 people deep that doesn't work so that needed to be worked out a little bit better but there was also non-alcoholic options there was coffee there and stuff like that there's like local coffee grower stands and stuff like that um a lot of families on blankets out on the lawn screen was huge Everything was great. Great vibes. There's, uh, you know, taco stands, halal stands, churro stands, all of it. And then um, uh, the issue came, though, was that right before kickoff, like a minute or so before kickoff, the big screen outdoors went blank. And it was like, is it going to come back? Is it going to come back? Because it was still on indoors. And it was like, what? And they had been synced up before that. And then it finally comes back right before kickoff. And it's like five seconds or so delayed on outdoors from indoors. So you're hearing a little bit more of a... Uh, reaction indoors before it happens outside, which five seconds is five seconds might not seem like a lot, but it actually is kind of significant. It is significant. It's, 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 yeah. it's like the the corner TV at EPR. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The corner is, is a little like bit faster. Ahead. Yes. Faster internet in that corner. So then what happened? The problem was though at halftime, the TV outside went out again, and when it came back this time, it was like ninety seconds behind the indoor screen. So it really made. So I got so. I'll get to this other part of the story in a second, but just in general, that was something that needs to be fixed, along with a little, a few more stands to lower the line um, issues. I would have said, unfortunately, technical issues got in the ways to where the indoor and outdoor experiences were both very different, and it got to the point where we knew about our goals that were scored like 90 seconds in advance. Like you hear a huge crowd go up indoors, and you're like, if you're outdoors, you're like, oh shit, well, about something's about, I guess something's about to happen, and then conversely, even worse. If we had a promising attack going, uh, and you're watching outside, and you're like, oh, we got a three on two, let's go. 
but you didn't hear like a loud cheer from inside. You know nothing came of this promising attack. So it's like, why am I even watching this thing that I don't know? No, nothing's going to happen. So bad form there, not their fault, but there were some technical issues. I guess the only fix there would have been just to do more to divide. But it's open air up there. In that, that indoor building has a bunch of open air windows that look out to the outside. So whatever. So it's a first for everybody. It's first. Uh, kudos to everyone for getting well done. Getting it. And to be honest, I'm probably complaining about it more than most folks were. Most folks just took that all in stride and went with it. But, I, you know, that's me. So then the other thing was I was disgusted. I was absolutely disgusted at uh, halftime down 3-0. And I was there with. Oh, we had. We, I mean, the first half there was just there was. You could tell in the first five minutes of the game mm-hmm. that it was going to be a problem. Right. It and, was. And, and, and we couldn't even keep the ball. We couldn't get the ball out of our own half. Right. It was like Drago beating on Apollo Creed at the beginning of Rocky Four, and I'm like, I'm like Rocky in the corner, like, get out of there, get out of there, you know, and like level up Luke sitting on my left, going, throw that damn towel, you know, and it's like, ah, you know, but like, yeah, you could tell. You could tell it was, it was rough, and. Um, but that, that pressing style, Charlotte FC. I think if there's there's one issue for this club, there's 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 one kryptonite for this club. It's when Charlotte FC gets pressed right. in Christian Latanzio's system, they have n- no ability to deal with it whatsoever. Right. And when we turn the way our system works, because we're bringing an extra defender up so f- so far advanced. When we turn it over, we're just in bad spots every time. They, they just popped it over the heads of our back line for the first one. And Manuel, really nice, uh, you know, swinging leg finish through it on the half volley. And and then we were toast. Um, the other thing, though, I was so disgusted, I left at halftime. I left Camp North End at halftime. And I got about a mile down the road. And I said, you know what? Fuck that. I'm going back. And so <laughs> I went back to Camp North End. And so I was watching the first half indoors because I didn't want that delay. But once it became 3-0, the delay didn't matter as much to me. And I just wanted to like, sit out on the grass with friends. And so I found a spot on the lawn with Elevation Jones and Becca from Mint City and all the legacy dorks that, uh, you know, the, the folks that, like, really created the subculture of Crown Legacy. I, that's, a, that's a term of endearment, by the way, not a, not a diss. I consider myself a legacy dork as well. And uh, we had a great time. And... Um, uh, Cheering, getting to see Kerwin's wonder strike, getting to see Patrick's goal. I mean, those were moments that gave gave us something to remember. First playoff goal in Charlotte FC history always will be Kerwin Vargas' bicycle kick. I mean, how cool is that? It's you know, amazing. Like, it, it's one. Of, it's a goal that if you're a soccer fan, if you're a supporter of this club, it's a goal that you'll likely never ever forget. Mm-hmm. And I think what Carol assist. The, the interesting uh, part about that goal for me was at at three now to one. Vargas, just one of the sickest goals you'll you'll ever see, and in that situation, Kerwin, you know, could have celebrated. He could have, you know, made it all about him and and could that, have done a triple backflip instead uh, of a single this time or and, whatever. You know, yeah. and instead he was just get that ball back to the center right. circle and let's right. go, let's try right. to get another We're one. We're down one. Yeah. I thought that was just it, it was something that was it was wasn't pronounced it wasn't discussed but to me it kind of showed the maturity that a guy like a young player like Kerwin Vargas has and then Patrick Ajaman steps in, into the game and it kind of shows the maturity and the ability that a young player has on this squad and the question should be asked that why does it take a 
you know, a, a game like, for instance, Kerwin, Kerwin Vargas is, is playing for one reason. It's because he scores goals, right? Right. I think that if he didn't score. Creates goals. Yeah, yeah and he creates he and, he assist, sco- and he scores. Yeah, yeah but, but he, he, he was not in the starting lineup for the majority of the matches towards right. the end of the season. Then he was inserted into the lineup because. Uh, right, because Diagre got hurt. Got, no, well, no, no, because Diagre had a kid. Right, that's right, yeah, right. He, he, Diagre never was officially hurt, even though he looked like he was hurt all the time. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Diagre was was unavailable for personal reasons, yep. and Kerwin got the start in that match, and then he kind of... Goal and an assist. And he, and so then he played himself into the lineup for the rest of the season, but he had to do that himself, and he needed help. It wasn't Christian Latanzio that was going to make the decision to start the young player, and Christian Latanzio at halftime made the decision to put in Patrick Ajemang. Out of sheer desperation. Out of desperation, he takes off... Um, Yere. Yere. Yeah, so it was a defender. It was it was a total go-for. We went for to three it. at the back, which... Total go-for it kind of sub move there. But my question is simply this. Is that down 3-0 against Red Bull, when you're desperate and the change that you make is to bring on your, your third striker... My question is, shouldn't that be the player that you're counting on to begin with? Like, why in that play-in, one 90-minute game situation, aren't you doing that from the start of the match? Especially when your excuse at the end of the game was, it was inevitable that we're gonna, we were going to be flat tonight because we're so tired and we weren't, couldn't match the intensity. It's like, well, then ha- if then you believe that, the then have the bravery to make changes even from a winning right. side. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah, so... So that doesn't you can't that's a cake and eat it too thing that yeah you can't you can't have your your tiramisu and your pilsner too uh, <laughs> I would I would tell uh, tell old CL there on that one but um, well and I bring up this point because and I want to get into the, into the discussion about uh, Christian Latanzio I, w- I want to ask you whether he's done well, enough to remain manager of this squad and I want to ask you whether he has man managed. The young players on this squad, in a way that you think benefits this club for the future, or do you think that Christian Latanzio is potentially stunting these young players' growth by not starting them and all season long relying on now veteran players who I'm not sure have a future for this club? I'm going to ask you that question next. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Charlotte Soccer City. Make sure you follow us on X, Charlotte Soccer Show. And go to that YouTube page, I'm telling you. Go to the YouTube page. You're going to see some really cool content there. You're going to be able to watch these press conferences and hear Danny Brams react there, in real time. There's a there's a very strong likelihood that in the offseason, like a lot of our offseason stuff is going to be more on the YouTube than on the audio just because it's going to be tougher to get together. Johnny can crank something out on the YouTube. I can crank something out on the YouTube. So yeah. you've got to be following us. Right. There. So what we're going to do now is we're, we're talking about uh, – this match against Red Bull. Next week, we're going to be back with an episode. It's going to be the season wrap-up show. We're going to go player by player. We're going to uh, discuss this roster, who will be here next season. But for now, we're going to talk about this match. We're going to talk about the, the final few games of the season. And we're going to talk about whether Christian Latanzio did enough in that match against New York Red Bull to, to come back next season. It's the Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams, back after this.
right, we're back from the break. Hit the bar during the break here. We're upstairs at Trolley Barn. We're here. There's a company lunch happening here upstairs. We're crashing that company lunch. There's a bar in there. We just got two more Pilsners. But there's this patio outside. There's this deck. There's this balcony here. And nobody's on it besides us. And we've got probably the two best seats in the house. We didn't ask if we could come up here. We just came up here and we set up shop. That's kind of the way we do it on Charlotte Soccer Show. And the view of uptown, just up the train tracks, is so nice. I It's been a while. I'll admit I've been extremely lazy this year. And it was really hot this summer. So I didn't do it as much as I have in previous years but i love the biking the train trails just a, one of my true joys in the city of charlotte uh great scenery if you know what i mean and uh you can go up and down uh parallel to the train tracks and just uh let the wind blow in your hair it's a beautiful thing it, so it's such a it's such a cool part of town and yes south end especially this part of south end is 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 getting a little corporate if you will <laughs> sure with with some some uh, office buildings around here but there's 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 things here in this Atherton Mill area that have been here for a long time and I'm looking at it now and I'm going to give a shout to Luna's Living Kitchen here Oof. a great uh, vegan uh, breakfast lunch and, and dinner spot that has been here as, as long as I can remember uh, some of the businesses that have always been here uh, are still here and that's a very mm -hmm. good thing yeah we haven't lost our soul yet Charlotte is a, is a soccer city it's Charlotte is a paradise, is what I tell a lot of my family members who uh, live <laughs> elsewhere. Trying to get them to come visit here, but they I don't want anyone else to move here because it's way too crowded. Um, Johnny, we're back. We're drinking another Italian Pilsner. We're still on the Sanctifieds. We're going to talk about uh, an Italian momentarily. But just before we get into the Latanzio talk through your teas, I just want to tell one quick story because you, you mentioned... There, you've got some spicy thoughts that we're going to get into in the season review show, if I could deep tease that one, just about the performances and who's good enough. And I know you feel like there are some players on this team who, who aren't at the level we need to, to take it to the next level, but I just want to, I want to share just a story that might put a little bit in perspective, because I know you're a golfer. I'm also a golfer. Uh, don't golf as much as I used to back in the day. I'm a horrible golfer, but I used to be a much better golfer back in the day. Uh, when I played a lot, and uh, that's how that game works. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I played on my high school team, not because I was particularly great, but I uh, went to a small high school. I think only seven guys tried out for a five-man team, and I made I made the five. So uh, you know that was good. So um, I love tournament golf. I love um, the being at a tournament and checking the leaderboard. And even though you know our, the way our tournaments work was like you played all five guys played around, and you dropped the lowest score. And then the best four scores is your team score, et cetera. And we play the same. Uh, we had like a region, so the same seven opponents every tournament. We rotate all these courses, get to know all the guys from the other schools. And it was just this real great time of my life playing high school golf. Absolutely loved it. It helped shape me. Um, and we were building things. I joined the team as a freshman. I joined, we played as sophomores, played as juniors. When the time I, and we were never any good. Our school was a small, tiny little, like ref, practically a reform school. For uh, Mormons who got kicked out of public school in Utah and went to, went to the rinky-dink little Catholic quote-unquote private school that was really just a yes. just a jailhouse. And uh, um, but our team we had a lot of fun and we had so much time, fun on the road trips and we were never any good but we built and we got better and we added younger players came in after me who were, were good and I was more of just a mentor than a contributor. My score was often the fifth one that was dropped, you know, and all that stuff. And I love we loved our coach and all that and like. It just reminds me of Charlotte FC, like, if you will, like this idea of like ha trying to create something and build from scratch and and like fight against the odds and not have, you know, we didn't have a ton of resources. Charlotte FC does have a ton of resources. That parallel doesn't work, but 
The whole point is my senior year, we finally did it. We earned our way to the state tournament. Charlotte FC made it to the playoffs in year two. In year four of my golf team, we made it to the state tournament. Instead of the you know the seven schools that we played every week, we were going to compete against like a group of like 25 schools from all over the state instead of our region. And we were so proud, we worked so hard, we, we qualified on the final regular season tournament we, we of the year, and we had just built this thing, and we were so happy. We all went, you know, the five of us, had this great road trip, drove down in coach driving the van and all that, and it just everything was great. It reminded me of Saturday night after we beat Miami. Reminds me of that drive down to, to Nephi, Utah for the state tournament. <laughs> and like, uh, everything was just so grand. And then what happened? All five of us played our worst tournament of the year. It was 105 degrees out. It was we were walking. It was it was a mountain course. It was horrible. I was dying. But I wanted to quit. I wanted to walk off at the turn and just not even play this thing I built four years to, to create. Much like camp, almost no, you know. felt like at halftime. Yeah, exactly, a, a exactly. And we all did horrible. We fell on our face and we just absolutely. Uh, didn't show up for for the biggest moment that we had worked towards uh, the whole year and my whole four years. And like, it's very much a parallel to what happened to Charlotte FC in Jersey. And I just bring it up because now, you know, 30 years later, like I can say my only memories of that time are just the camaraderie and the, the people and the great times. And, you know, I can tell the story about, about one of the worst rounds of golf I ever played and the time I wanted to quit, but I don't really think about it in terms of details too much. Although it was a really nice course we were playing. But uh, I just think about the earning, the, the, the battles we won. You know, you remember the, the things we fought. And when I think about the 2023 season, all I will think about is, is, is beating Miami, really. You know, just like, just decision day. Yeah, earning that it, moment it was, on decision day. That, nothing could take that away. Well, and the, the problem, and by the way, it's, it's such a great story. And I think the, the parallel of achieving a goal and then going to see that goal through mm -hmm. it being a whole other experience yeah. right yeah. the goal was to make the playoffs the goal was to play in the state tournament yeah but then like once you reach that goal and you realize that i'm about to tee off yeah. in the state tournament <laughs> yeah. and all yeah. these guys are good or yeah. the ball's about yeah. to be kicked and we barely and, got it here and, and, and everybody and, else is trying to win it and red bull's yeah. on like a four game winning streak yeah. and they're playing out of their minds at yeah. home it's like oh wait a minute this is a brand new challenge, mm -hmm. and you know, as you're telling that story, I think, and I'm thinking about it, and you're you're talking about decision day. I think, I think there's one thing that really kind of hurt Charlotte FC, and it was very simply the fact that the game, the decision day was on Saturday, and this game playoff match was on Wednesday. Right. You're talking about three days off from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. Mm -hmm. You know what it reminded me of? And I thought about this before the match even started. I failed to mention it on the, the preview podcast. But what happened um, to Charlotte FC is is not too dissimilar to what happened to Chicago Fire, where you achieve the highest of highs, and then just a few days later you have to get yourself back up mm -hmm. to achieve something even greater. Right. And that's what happened to Chicago. They had that game against Inter-Miami and Messi. Yeah. And it was Soldier Field was, was totally packed, and they put on an unbelievable performance. Then a couple of days later, Charlotte FC came to town, and they just it was hard for them to reach that level right. again. Their bubble was burst. 
and yeah. it, it and it felt really that way so, for Charlotte. So here's my question though, uh, to get us to move us to what uh, the the meat of this segment is. I, everything you're saying is true, but there's a way to talk about it. And I don't like the way Christian Latanzio talked about that truth that you just outlined, which was he called it inevitable. Was it? Yes, it was a tough situation to go from the high high to then like get back up again. But was it inevitable? Inevitable is such a horrible word choice, I think, there from the gaffer, because there are things we could have done that we didn't do to try to mitigate some of those realities in terms of being gassed and, and the short turnaround and stuff like that. So it gets us to what we want to talk about is before we make any other moves, and we're going to talk player movement in a future episode, but the decision the decision must be made at this point. Should he stay or should he go? Are you are you laddie in or laddie out? And more important than what you think should happen, what do you think will happen? Because that's what we got to deal with. Yeah, I think what will happen, let's start there, is that this team is going to go through the beginning stages of its offseason – uh, the MLS off-season calendar has been released. There's important dates that start as early as November 22nd, and it leads all the way up Jeez. until Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it leads all the way up into uh, free agency in, in mid-December, and then the, the Super Draft in December. So there's there's a lot to happen here over the next couple months, and this club needs to make a decision and make a statement here soon. So what I expect to happen is that there will be a, a club statement at some point. I think that there should be a season-ending press conference. I yeah. don't think that a post-game press conference, and if there's not a season-ending press conference, I think that's a problem. I mean, we need another episode of Decoding the Presser, so yeah, let's get that. Let's get well, that. even, I, I, I mean this, I, you know, Zoran right, Cronetta yeah. sure, should be in front of yeah. the microphone. Uh, we would, it, would be, it would be appreciated, for sure. And, and, and there should be an end-of-season press conference. And if there's not, I think that's a really bad look for the club. It's, uh, yeah, it's like, why not? Yeah. It just adds questions that don't need to be asked. Right. So, I, my gut tells me that Christian Latanzio will be back. Now, I, I have one, one stipulation and one stipulation only. Christian Latanzio can come back and manage the squad because he got the team to the playoffs. They played in the playoff playing game. They won the biggest match of the season at home against Miami. And for that, I'm okay with Christian Latanzio being rewarded. But when the starting 11 is announced for the first match of next season, if Patrick Ajumong isn't in the starting 11... <laughs> I don't want him to make it to the sideline. Like, I want him to be fired 45 minutes before the yeah, game. Like, the, it's really the, that in simple. The, in the space of time between the release of the lineup and kickoff, it's, time, it's time to sack the gaffer if Audrey's not in, for yeah. sure. I mean, I mean, just just play a big pat. It's so dumb. Like, it's it's crazy that we're even having this conversation. I'm, You know that I'm a fan of global football. I have friends all over the world that follow this game uh, at all, very intensely. We talk all the time about... Player, you know, I, you know, you may not know this about me, but I am a, a nerd for the Belgian league. I'm a nerd for the Dutch league. I, I follow all these leagues pretty intensely in my in my free time uh, when I'm not doing work in Charlotte FC stuff. And I have friends that are like, "What is your coach's fucking problem?" Because they look at Ajemong and they see the goals he scores, and they're just like, "How do you not play this guy? It's insane!" And like. 
like this is a guy that like someday is going to be playing at the at higher higher levels you know like he's so, so young and has so much development I get it like but you don't like and, and Latonzi always comments he's like he said this he, he one thing I didn't like about him and you'll hear this in the decoding the presser is that he's like downplays the achievements of the youngsters all the time he he, he like he's a very even keel like he doesn't he his whole mo is don't get too high too low Whereas Charlotte FC fans are, our whole MO is ride the wave, so it's kind of a clash of styles and contrast there. But that's right. Um, but he says part of not getting too high, or too low is you kind of fail your young players when you fail to gush about their remarkable achievements. And like for Kerwin to score the most amazing goal I've ever seen, and then for Patrick to score just you know just basically snap well, for, it. Just Patrick basically said, "I want to score, so I'm going to go score." Like you know, like for those to well, happen. Let me, let me just say real quick, we talked about the Kerwin Vargas finish. But I would encourage people to go back and look at the Patrick Ajman finish. The way that he lifted the ball purposely up mm-hmm. over the keeper and top shelfed yes. that goal, it was it was absolutely intentional, and he pulled it off exactly how he wanted it, to. It must be said because so many times players that with Patrick's physical profile get stereotyped into oh, power and pace. He's big and strong. He's that's why he's better than everyone. No, that's not why he's better than everyone. He's better than everyone because he combines that with the brain. And the most important part of the Patrick Ajman goal against Red Bulls was you watch, yes, he, he, he bodies a bunch of defenders and throws them around like ragdolls, but the, you got to watch the replay from behind the goal because the most important aspect of that whole play is when he looks up and spots his spot in the corner. Like, he's doing all of that under control and, like, with perfect mental acuity at the same time as he's using his physical gifts so it's like we got like and and what I want to say is Latanzio he just keeps harping on there are other things that Patrick needs to do to develop as a total player but I'm happy that he's scoring goals well how's he going to develop as a player if he's not out there getting reps I think that it's very very easy for Christian Latanzio to be scapegoated in this situation but I actually think this is a, a a team effort to manage a young player who oh, is that's spicy. not making a lot of money and they like it that way and that they don't want to put this player out there and have to ultimately sell him or be negotiated with in a way that they don't really want to be. And I think I think it's too late on that. If I'm his agent, I'm playing the hardest ball I possibly can for the for the contract extension. And I think there's, there's been hard, no I, I think there's hardball being, being yeah. I know that there's hardball been being played here for the last 3 months. For sure, there's got to be. And we, I, yeah, we know. And we know why. And it's 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 really that simple, right? Where yeah. there's there is there's hardball being played and the reason why is because Latanzio is, um, and Zoran Cronetta is, and David Tepper is under the gun I've, to to sign this player to a big time contract. I think the ship has sailed on leverage. I think Patrick's got all the leverage now. I mean, you're talking about legitimately if you're yeah. Patrick Ajemong's agent, agent, and this is why there's so much happening behind the scenes when it comes mm-hmm. to this player, is because he'll be looking for a designated player contract. <laughs> right, right, right. I I don't know if he'll get that, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. Sure. Like if I'm Patrick Ajmong's right. agent, and I go to Charlotte FC, and I go, and I, you start doing the comparative uh, other DPs around the league and stuff like that. Well, yeah. forget about it, around the league. <laughs> in the room. In the like, <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like, just so you know, my guys, 
much better than Enzo Capetti. Right. And hey, just so you know, my guy's much better than Camille Uziak. Yeah, I'm not sure tripling his salary is going to be enough is what I'm saying here, you know? Like, yeah. So, I, Latanzio is going to be back. That's my prediction. I agree. And, and I'll be honest. I'm good with him being back as long as he plays Patrick next year. I'm, I'm actually good with him being back for a slightly different reason, but it, it's the fact that the players still love him. He hasn't lost the locker room. For all the, he may have lost the fans, and and we may not, you know, we may have a lot of crowing in the fan base about, oh, it was tactics, this is subbing that, and you know what? Some of it's informed, and some of it's not. I've I've had some good critiques of of Latanzio's tactics, and I've had some bad critiques of Latanzio's tactics. I'll own up to like I've said some dumb things, and I hope everyone else in the fan base will too, because like we're all still learning. We're all like, it's all a, a process of learning more about the game by watching it. But what I w- I have to just admit to myself is, the players like Latanzio, and like. Some people, he he is the funny, the nuance of the thing of him, like for some reason being stubborn about putting young players in the lineup, is he is, in my mind, a developmental coach. He's really good in the practices and like getting guys better through training and through, like you see guys improve with the not playing, and I get that, but I, that's still not an excuse for not playing Patrick. Patrick must be played. So, I wanted to take a look at the the sofa score ratings for the for the squad in this to finish up this episode as we talk about this playoff match. Patrick Ajman comes in at the 46 minute. He comes in at halftime uh, for Yuri Yurinen, and and he logs a 7.2 rating. That is the highest rated player on the pitch, tied with Kerwin Vargas, both goal scorers for Charlotte FC with those 7.2 ratings. I wanted to go to the other end of the spectrum, Danny Brams, and mention three players. Uh, who unfortunately were ranked in a five category. That's Christian Kalina with a 5.6, Andrew Privet with a 5.5, and Yuri Yurinen with a 5.9. What, what, what went you wrong? Up, you give up five goals, you get rated five. <laughs> Sorry, KK. <laughs> I think that's simple for Kalina. Yeah. Uh, but for Privet and, and Yurinen, how do you feel about those ratings in the biggest match of the season? Privet beat for the first goal on the pot, like you, you saw. Um, Edelman popped up a, a just a, sort of like a little pop-up ball into the box, and it went right over Privet's head, and he let Manuel get behind him. So he got beat badly for the first goal, and then probably probably had some other, probably a fault for the other goals too, and I just didn't see. Milanda, I know, was at fault for the fifth, trying to offside trap. Uh, Manuel, by the way, just really quickly, so, sorry to digress, but Manuel, three goals on the season, three goals against us in the playoff game. Last year he had two goals on the season outside of Charlotte FC and two goals against Charlotte FC. This guy loves playing against Charlotte FC. He has six goals and an assist against us in four matches. Next time we play New York Red Bulls, please somebody stop LAS Manuel. Please, for fuck's sake. But, uh, yeah, Privet's <laughs> going to be rated low when you're getting constantly beat by a guy who never does anything against anybody else. And then, uh, you know, y- uh, Yere subbed out at half. He never had a chance to really improve his rating, so he probably he probably finishes over a six if he finishes that match. But when you lose three goals in the first half, you're going to be rated under a six. Another low-rated player who is not in the defensive back line is Enzo Capetti. Enzo Capetti logs a 6.2 rating. His heat map is leaves a lot to be desired right. there. It, lo- it looks like a meth head's uh, dental profile. It's just like a bunch of gaps and then little little point spots. <laughs> Enzo Capetti, someone that I was really expecting to have a really nice game in, in this match. He has... Yeah, I guaranteed he would score a goal. He has one shot on target. He loses possession eight times. 
he only wins two out of six aerial du- duels. Mm-hmm. And he wasted about four minutes in the first half pretending to be hurt when we were down 2-0. I didn't like that. Enzo Capetti, uh, the designated player for this squad, he is somebody that has had, and we can get into this, and I wanted to bring these, these ratings up towards the end of this episode because I think we'll, the, this next episode will be an extension of this conversation. Right. We will, to be continued in some ways, for yes, sure. Yes, absolutely. But Enzo Capetti... Not his best match on Wednesday. No, definitely not. And you know what I think, personally? I think he was freezing. I think he was just cold as piss. Uh, I mean, I don't know exactly the exact temperature, but it had to be colder in New Jersey than it was here, and it was pretty cold here. So I just think he just – this is probably the first game he's played in just, like, freezing cold in a long time. And I, I just think it got to him. He was – he was sh- like, he got he got nicked on the hand, and he was, like, shaking his hand. Like, he, like it hurt really bad, way worse than it should have. I just, I just think he was freezing cold, personally. Wow. Just what I think. I, I it's tough to play in that situation when you're just freezing cold. I mean, you're not used to it. I I don't know what to say to that. You're not buying that one. I really don't know what to say to that without using using a word that I really don't want to on and this don't. podcast today. Everybody just imagine that word, and I think I think the consensus will get us there for sure. Um, so, so ultimately, you know, when you, when you get beat five two, there's not going to be a lot of good ratings. And I thought Breck Diagre came on in the 66, 66th minute and didn't offer much. And the rating shows yeah. that a six point one rating, almost a five. Breck has to be better next year. I mean, he had his flashes, and he he almost scored a third goal. There was a moment, there was a brief moment when it was four two, right after Patrick's goal, and we almost added a third right back. We almost went boom boom. Carroll had a really nice cross across the box. And I didn't see it, but I guess Patrick touched it. I'll have to look for a replay. I, I missed that. Everybody talked about it in the post game, but De- I, for me, it looked like Deagra just didn't get to a ball that he should have got to at the back post. But maybe Patrick deflected it. So that's my. Bad. I'll have to watch it. Patrick did deflect it. Okay, he did. Yeah, he got he got a touch on that. And, um, so. Scott Arfield comes in in the 66th minute for Enzo Capetti, which when, was interesting. When Scotty came in, I thought we were going to do it, to be honest. I, like, stood up on the grass on, at, at CNE, and I was just like, Scotty, Scotty, Scotty. I, I, I thought, oh, my gosh, Scotty's in. Now now anything can happen. Who on this roster is going to be with this squad next season? We're going to figure that out over the next three months. I think one of the things I really, really like about soccer and MLS and global football in general is the fact that every month, in season, out of season, there's something on the calendar, and it starts next month. It's a month-to-month sport in many ways. Absolutely, and and you're not going to take any time off. Yes, the players are going to take time off uh, from actually training together, but they're going to keep themselves in shape because uh, after the new year, when when that clock strikes midnight and it's January 1st 2024 that to me is the official start of the 2024 campaign and yes they'll have January to stay healthy and then all of a sudden you get into February you're in training camp and things get kicked off and that that will that will come sooner uh, than you all think uh, because it's November next week it's might could be November now as you're listening to this episode so keep in mind that you know just because the season's over just because the MLS Cup playoffs will be being played for the next month until, by the way, until December, right? 
I think the MLS. I think yeah. MLS Cup final is in December. I think with the three rounds, a three game first round. Yeah, I think they pushed it back it's, to December. And yeah. It's in December, so this is basically a a, a ten month, eleven month right. sport. Uh, and and we're gonna have a lot to talk about throughout the off season. Please take a look out for for our YouTube page. Make sure you subscribe there. Uh, all of Danny Brams' great work. Uh, for me, I'll be back on the podcast next week for sure to do this season in review. Uh, we're definitely going to follow the independents. And, two, and, game, two games left. And their possible run to a championship. So let's spend a couple minutes at the end of this podcast here talking about the Charlotte Independents. Let's talk about the fact that they're heading to, to Union Omaha. Yep. I, I believe that I saw that Charlotte and Omaha have a head-to-head record of 2-2-2 two, two, and two against okay. one, one another Someone's all time. Give. So something has to give. And do you think Mike Jeffries can take this team on the road and get a W on Saturday? I definitely think he can. I'm a little disappointed. At one point, a friend of the show, Mike Umberger, was trying to organize a, a road trip or a plane trip out to <laughs> Omaha, and then uh, then he he the cold, uh, cruel hand of reality in the form of airfare uh, costs slapped yeah, that plan yeah. down. But uh, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's too bad we 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 missed the chance. If this game had a chance to be in Raleigh. If uh, if Madison, if I think if for, I think Ford Madison fucked up and that that prevented this game uh, Charlotte from going to play in Raleigh, unfortunately. So um, I probably would have gone to that match if I could have. But I think it's great. I'm going to try to get up to uh, Eleven Lakes tomorrow because I drink their beer at, at at the games and I've never been to the brewery, so I feel like I need to get up there. Um, Five thirty kick watch party will probably start a little bit, but there, I believe there's a free keg. I believe the independents are putting the first if, ke- first keg is on the club. If they allow dogs. I will roll up there with my foster dog. Oh, Buchanan. You, you got to come see Buchanan. Yeah. And maybe we can find somebody at Eleven Lakes or an Independence fan that yeah. is uh, Buchanan can find his forever home. I think Buchanan would is such a great dog for a lake lifestyle too. You know, so, I, oh, so you know, I like, totally like yeah, being yeah. up there by Lake Norman might might find some takers, some someone really ready to fall in love with this pup for sure. And uh, for on, on something real quick, because just as we're talking about Buchanan. Um, I will be at Urban District Market on Sunday from noon to 5. That's right on North Davidson Street. Really cool place, kind of near the Noda OG. Remember we went to Soul Food Kitchen that one time? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And we did, we, did an, we did an episode from, from the so OG uh, Noda location. Oh, yeah. Um, right around there. It's a really cool place. I'll be there Sunday from, that was incredible. From, from 12 yeah. to 5 with Buchanan, with the Greater Charlotte SBCA. Uh, there's, there's a lot of foster dogs right now. Right. Last week on Saturday, we did an adoption event. Ten dogs got adopted. Uh, Buchanan still doesn't have an application. You, uh, but you can go to my Instagram page, at, at JP Hayes, and kind of see Buchanan and and check out a link to his pet finder profile. He's a good dog. Maybe I'll bring him to uh, 11 Lakes tomorrow. We can we can have a party, and if somebody's interested. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, they'll, they'll let him stay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and I, I think it's good that we bring that up here at the end of this episode. Um going into next year, the end of the season, because we grew a lot. We want to thank all the TIFOs. We grew a lot in year one to year two on this show in terms of what we were doing. We added Instagram. We added YouTube. We did more shows. Yes, we, we did. did. more ambitious shows. We added interviews. Every, we, yes, we did. We added Queens College, Queens University coverage. We added more independence coverage. We added legacy coverage. We took the show. We leveled up this show thanks to the TIFOs thanks supporting to us. We, no, we leveled <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, thanks yeah, to yeah. So the, the, <laughs> but what do you have to do? You have, we have to do that again next year. So one of the things we want to add next year we want to add some charity work. We want to add some. You want to give back through the show, and SPCA is a cause that's always been very close to you and your wife Rachel's hearts. Uh, I don't have a dog, but I did adopt a cat a few years ago, and uh, probably if I move to a place with more space, I would love to adopt a dog. So it's something that we both feel pretty great about, 
and uh, SPCA work and, and dog adoption is going to become a, a theme that we add in much bigger quantities next year to Charlotte Soccer Show because it's uh, it goes along with the theme. Beer, soccer, and pups, you know? What could be better? Yeah, absolutely, and I appreciate you saying that, and I appreciate all the TFOs, and I want to thank the TFOs as well myself. Uh, it, for me, it's been, a, it's been an amazing year just kind of meeting some of you that listen to this show and becoming honest to goodness friends with a lot of you yeah you know, when we say tremendous friends of the show i literally mean that in the right. sense of the word where it's just right. like we've built relationships know. with yeah people, exactly yeah. like i know people now and i feel like uh, through charlotte fc and through this show i've been able to expand my network of friends in the city which is was ultimately a good thing but i really want to know I, I, and i want to give your honest get your honest take on this is is now that crown legacy is out of the playoffs now that charlotte fc is out of the playoffs I mean, it's almost serendipitous right. that it's the independents right. who are the last team standing. Well, you might have th- you might think of Return of the Jedi, you know, when uh, <laughs> when Obi Wan, you know, Charlotte FC goes out of the playoffs, and you have Obi Wan Kenobi saying, "That boy was our last hope," and then Yoda <laughs> says, "No, there is another." He, you know, he was he was referring to. Uh, actually, I think that happened in Empire, not Return of the Jedi. Forgive me, but. Uh, um, yeah, I remember that. Uh, scene, yeah. Uh, uh, or maybe I forget. Now, now I'm confusing myself in which movie it was in. But the the whole point is, independence is an independence is our Leia. You know, yeah, uh, yes. Luke is gone, but we got Leia still, and she's just as powerful. So uh, she's a damn general we, we and a senator to, for we, fuck's sake. We so. need to we need to add some some. There's still my point is 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 that as low as I as down as I feel right about this the Charlotte FC season being over. I still have an opportunity to dream. Right. And, and the Charlotte Independence is giving me that opportunity. Let's bring a championship home to the Queen City. Gabby Oberton said the other day, he said, I may be old and towards the end of my career, but I'm still hungry. And we're still hungry. You know, uh, let's do it for Captain Clay. Clay Dimmick had a, you know, potentially career-ending surgery earlier this year. He's not done. He's not throwing in the towel just yet, but he's gonna have to fight his way back to the pitch. He was he was jogging the other day. I saw him back on yeah, the pitch absolutely jogging. Absolutely incredible. I mean, like, if anyone can get back from what he went through, it's it's Clay Demick. So we're doing it for Captain Clay. We're doing it for Oberton. One last title at the end of his run. What do you think about we're that? We're doing it for Omar Cease to get the recognition he deserves. Omar Cease is Austin you Pack. Know, Omar Cease and Austin Pack are are next level players. You know, no 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 slouch to USL one. But there's higher levels, and those two guys deserve to play higher I'm levels. I'm going on my Instagram right now because I wanted to bring this up, and my notification is Austin Pack liking my reaction to his story. Hell yeah, dude. Which is the 2023 Players' is Choice Best 11 from USL League One. The players in USL League One voted Austin Pack as the best keeper in yeah. the league. Not only is he the best keeper in USL One, he's the best keeper in the city of Charlotte. And uh, that's not said with any tongue-in-cheek whatsoever. That's 100% sincerity. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if you can't make it to the watch parties, get on ESPN+. Plus, Get on whatever streaming services these games. Uh, they, they jump around to a few different services. But uh, let's get a title. There's still a, a soccer title can still come home to the Queen City this year. Absolutely right. And that, that hardware and that silverware, you can see it at Elizabeth Parlor Room. Uh, you know, they've, they've got it there. And it's... it's um, Final might have to watch the final at EPR. I think if if uh, if we can get past Omaha, Coach Jeffries is is somebody that you you know today on match day minus one, Coach Jeffries is in the lab. They're traveling out to Omaha, mm-hmm. and he's thinking about the best way to 
kind of take this group of players, which is a really special group of players, a bunch of guys that, that play well. Remember, they moved down from USL Championship. Yep. Uh, I think that, the, that this team has a chance to go to Omaha and get this win, and I hope they do. And I hope we see you Saturday at 11 Lakes Brewing. Uh, this watch party there should be just it's, – it's what it feels like, Danny, is you know when, like, you go through a hardship and – there's something on the calendar that just helps you get over it right. and helps you feel better and helps right. you turn the page, right? Even if the Independents lose on Saturday, like, the fact that they're still playing this weekend, to me, mm-hmm. is enough to make me feel better, make my soccer soul feel full. The best way to get over one club is to get under another club, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's Danny Brams. Uh, watch his content on YouTube at Charlotte Soccer Show. You can you can follow him as well at Danny Brams on on X. Follow him on Instagram as well at Instagram Instagram TX Instagram TX, Instagram, TX. Uh, and follow me at JP Hayes on Instagram. Follow the show at Charlotte Soccer City. What did you think about that uh, that reel that I made? Beautiful for the Independence. I was like, you know, what, let me Beautiful. screw around yeah. on Instagram today and try to make this a reel for the Independence. And I did it on Charlotte FC Match Day, and I was like, wow, I guess I should put a Charlotte one together too. <laughs> The content is king on on IG. I, I you know we're we're we love all the different ways we can communicate. Our, we can express our our love for for this city and this sport for sure. So what we're gonna do this afternoon is we're gonna um, kick back. We're gonna finish these pilsners. We're gonna enjoy a an eighty degree late October Friday afternoon here. Winter is coming, my friends. <laughs> Winter is coming. Weather Brad has put out the beacon Monday. Things are going to change in this city, temperature-wise, big time. I hope everybody has a great weekend. If you're listening to this over the weekend, I hope you're having a great weekend. If you find this on Monday or earlier next week, I hope you had a great weekend. But for now, I'm John Hayes. He's Danny Brams. And as always, up the jacks, baby. (laughs) 